Uncommon Commons is a horror anthology podcast written by George Plank and Alex Vitale. Content warnings can be found in the episode description. Stay tuned till the end for information about the Uncommon Commons Patreon. Today's story is The Gravedigger's Cat by Alex Vitale. all of you. Now the big recital is in two weeks, so we'll meet back here next time for dress rehearsal. And remember, practice at least 40 hours a day. All right, off you go. Wow, you really had him eating out of the palm of your hand. I wish. Triple flips are easy. Keeping them on a healthy meal regimen? Impossible. What do you have in the box, Jane? Well, I was watching you train the, uh, <coughs> cats. What's in the box, Jane? And I thought maybe I could give it a whirl. What's in the box, Jane? So I picked up one of these. Ah! Calm down, John. It's just a tarantula. It's just a... Oh, thank I saw one of those hairy little legs and I thought it was a hamster. (sighs) I would never. I really like the blue plumage. Have you named it yet? John. Yes? No. Her name is John. Oh, Does she know any tricks? Yeah, Uh, so just hold her like this. Yeah, like that. Now watch this. Roll over. Wow, that's really impressive. She attacked me without any hesitation at all. Yeah, just like her mommy. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, thank you, Silas. Uh, uh, It's for you. I'm not feeling so great. Uh, maybe you should read your story, and I'll look for a smackerel of anti-venom. It is common knowledge that every decent business worth visiting has an animal. Some bookstores have cats, some general stores have dogs, some restaurants have large, elaborate fish tanks filled with exotic fish. Even junkyards have dogs, though they may not be so friendly as the garden variety. Regardless of the social prowess of the animal, Any establishment that is worth its salt has at least one non-homo sapien employee. This, of course, extends to all types of work environments, even the ones that are less hospitable. The gravedigger's cat does not actually belong to the gravedigger, nor does he belong to the funeral director, mortician, or owner of the cemetery. The gravedigger's cat is his own cat, and he, of his own volition, has chosen the gravedigger to be his person. His job title does not come with a salary. It does come with benefits, though. The cemetery is old and sprawling. Headstones and mausoleums dot the green expanse, sprouting from the ground like daisies, intermingling with twisted maple trees. They march back on through the horizon, stopping only where the old iron fence tells them to. Far back in the cemetery, way beyond where the precious dead lie, is a thicket of trees and brambles. In there is the potter's field, forgotten by all. By all, that is, save for the gravedigger and the cat. The gravedigger's cat begins every day whenever he so chooses. The gravedigger, kindly old soul that he is, set up a small bed for the cat in the maintenance shed. It's a crude bed, made of rags and one old torn blanket, but it suits the cat just fine. The gravedigger, extending his good nature still, also leaves a bowl of food and water. He places them just outside, right next to the door. The gravedigger's cat appreciates this gesture, 
though he does get the same hydration from puddles. Feline nature is such that they are not generally subject to routine. The gravedigger's cat, for the most part, abides by this philosophy. He comes and goes as he pleases. He has things to do, responsibilities of sorts, but he chooses to do them at his own pace. The gravedigger's cat fancies himself a sort of supervisor of the gravedigger. As a man toils away pulling weeds and cutting grass, the cat appraises his work from the roof of the maintenance shed. The gravedigger does a decent job, the cat supposes, though he can't comprehend why humans can't just leave well enough alone. The grass looks fine overgrown, and the weeds decorate those funny stones sticking out of the ground. The fallen leaves offer a nice, soft padding to walk upon. Why the gravedigger insists on destroying all of this, the cat does not know. Still, the gravedigger seems to have taken a shine to him, so the cat does not protest. Besides, the owner of the cemetery seems pleased when the gravedigger does his work. When the owner of the cemetery is pleased, so too is the gravedigger, and when he is pleased, the gravedigger's cat sometimes gets treats. It's a win-win-win situation. Supervising the premises is not the gravedigger's cat's only responsibility, though. He has taken it upon himself to assist the gravedigger further. Small, pesky vermin often wriggle their way through the wrought-iron gates and into the cemetery. Neither the gravedigger nor the cat like this. Mice and rats and squirrels and voles cause a plethora of problems, digging and chewing holes where they oughtn't be, multiplying at alarming rates, burying their food all over the place. The gravedigger's cat takes care of this issue as soon as it arises, whenever it arises. This happens fairly often. He hunts down the rodents and leaves the rest for the gravedigger. Quid pro quo. The gravedigger often busies himself with tending the tombstones. They stand in neat little rows, like teeth lodged in the jaw of the earth. They grow moss and lichen ferociously, and before long their deep-etched lettering is obscured by new life. They get dirty and dingy and become illegible, and sometimes they even get long, thin cracks that snake through the names and dates and epitaphs. These things upset the gravedigger, so the cat has noticed. He wishes to help, though his paws were not designed for manual labor. Instead, he perches atop whichever stone the gravedigger is working on, and watches. He never says as much, but the cat believes that the gravedigger appreciates his company. The gravedigger's cat watches most everything in the cemetery. He watches for pesky birds and rodents who disturb the peace. He watches the gravedigger as he goes about his duties. He watches long, black vehicles come and go through the gates, following the winding road that slithers betwixt the graves. The gravedigger's cat sits as a sentinel atop the stone pillars that mark the entryway of the cemetery, scanning over his domain with the cold, calculated, and proud gaze of a landowner. In the night, long after the gravedigger has locked the gates and shuffled on back home, the cat stays awake. The night is his favorite time, you see. It is a time when an eerie blanket of quiet drapes over the cemetery, when no cars rev their engines on the roads outside, and no mourners bellow their sorrows from deep within their throats. It is a time where the cat can hear the most important sounds, of animals rustling in the leaves, of tapping and rapping on the mausoleum doors, or of rowdy, drunken teenagers clambering over the fence. The cat knows best how to deal with such hooligans. They circle around the headstones, draping themselves languidly over the final resting places of some poor souls. They guzzle down beers and cheap liquor like there's no tomorrow. They guffaw and hoot all through the night, and the cemetery's lone protector watches from the boughs of one of the gnarled maple trees peppering the land. He watches through narrowed orange eyes, boring into their souls with all the fervor he can muster. The miscreants, with their dulled senses, take a long time to notice anything. They don't see the gravedigger's cat, of course, but they do feel him. 
The hairs on the backs of their necks rise, and one of the girls squeaks to her befuddled boyfriend that she doesn't think they're alone. Never failing to play his part perfectly, the boyfriend brushes off this worry. At this point, the cat moves from his perch in the trees. Though he can move silently, he elects not to. The leaves rustle loudly as he leaps from branch to branch, startling the intruders. The cat always finds himself purring, then. Humans can be so jumpy. The gravedigger's cat then jumps onto the maintenance shed. The gravedigger always leaves some of the tools unattended, leaning precariously against the wall. All the cat must do is push one over, or perhaps swat a can off the shelf. A beautiful butterfly effect. One little falling object sends ten more crashing down around it. If the cat is lucky, sometimes the door of the shed will creak open in the commotion, sending its unoiled groan reverberating around the cemetery. Every time, without fail, the teenagers go running, snagging their clothes on the fence as they do. The gravedigger's cat sits back, licking his paw. Another job well done. The noise from the mausoleum settle down as well, pleased to have some peace and quiet. When the sun rises and brings morning along with it, the cat waits patiently for the gravedigger to return to his post. He greets the cat with a scratch on his tawny head, if the cat allows it, and begins his workday. It puzzles him, though, how the shed is in such disarray. He certainly didn't leave it that way the day before. Days at the cemetery are not always the peaceful ones that the gravedigger's cat enjoys, though. Sometimes there are interruptions. Yes, some days the gravedigger retrieves from the shed his trusty spade and marches out into the grass. The cat always follows, for there is always the chance that some tasty beetles will be unearthed. They make for a pleasant hors d'oeuvre. The gravedigger's cat finds that these days start considerably earlier than other days. The gravedigger drags his boots along the ground as he walks through the gates, rubbing his eyes and stifling yawns. The cat thinks that humans have such odd circadian rhythms, sleeping only at night. Why night is when all of the best things happen? Why not just sleep when you're tired and roam when you're not? Nevertheless, the gravedigger arrives extra early on these extraordinary days and marches right off to do his job, spade slung over his shoulder. The gravedigger lives up to his title on days like these, eight feet long, four feet wide, and six feet deep. As clumps of dirt and mud are volleyed through the air, the cat keeps a healthy distance from the debris. He only ventures closer if he sees movement in the growing mound, snatching this quarry with sheer joy. Usually only bugs and worms are dislodged from the ground. But once, the gravedigger sent a vole flying through the air. The cat had snatched up this treat with glee, taking the rest of the day off to enjoy his snack. Humans do not enjoy burying each other, the gravedigger's cat finds, yet they still do it quite often. They'll wind their way through the cemetery in a melancholy procession, heaving a casket with them. They snivel and wail and blot their eyes with tissues and handkerchiefs. They mutter and mumble loving words over a big wooden box, sometimes kissing it, sometimes hugging it, sometimes doing nothing at all. Nothing but staring. The casket is lowered, and the gravedigger begins his job anew, in reverse. The cat sits with him then, too. The gravedigger always seems worn down at those times, so the cat figures he might well want a little company. The gravedigger's cat does not much enjoy these days, either. Digging days do not always go like that, though. Sometimes there is no crying or wailing or carrying of a big, elaborate box. Sometimes there is much less fanfare. On these days, the mortician makes a rare visit to the cemetery. She and the gravedigger share a pleasant greeting, though they both carry an odd air about them. One, the cat thinks, that smells bittersweet. They shake hands, and the mortician drops off a different kind of box. This one is plain and unfinished, built out of weak and loose pine wood. They do not have lids. 
She helps the gravedigger carry it far, far back into the cemetery, past brambles and trees. They lug the box down a tiny, ill-trodden footpath to a plain field. There are no headstones there, no mausoleums, no markers of any kind. This is the potter's field, and its only residents do not have names. The gravedigger's cat sits again with the gravedigger as he toils away. These graves are easier to dig than the others. These ones are much more shallow. The new arrival lays stiff in their flimsy little bed, eyes shut tight to the waking world around them. The gravedigger kneels by the box, saying a few words over it. The gravedigger's cat does not know how the gravedigger knows so many of these people, but he does not disturb him as he says his goodbyes. At last, the gravedigger carefully drags a coffin into the freshly dug pit. He tosses a soil back over top and tamps it down loosely, leaving the rain to finish the job. Sometimes he lays a single wildflower in the dirt. The gravedigger's cat follows him back to the maintenance shed. He sits atop the windowsill as a gravedigger cleans up his day's work and watches as a spade is put away in the back of the shed. He watches, too, as a gravedigger fills his water bowl, but not the food. The cat's eyes follow as the aging man trudges, downtrodden, back to the wrought iron gate. There is an echoing click as he locks it shut. The gravedigger's cat makes his way in the other direction, winding through tombstones and padding past the mausoleums with their muffled knocking. He deftly leaps over brambles and roots, tramping atop overgrown grass and weeds. He stops at the grave, still young and undisturbed. He does not say his own words or prayers over it. No, he merely begins to dig, and dig, and dig. He ignores the beetles that scamper out of his way, not in the mood for such a pathetic appetizer. He digs deeper still, and when at last the first glimpse of supple flesh is revealed, the gravedigger's cat reaps the benefits of his job. Wake up. Uh. Wake up! What? Oh. Oh, now she's got a cute little bow. (laughs) How cute. You think so? I do. Well, I want all of my pets to look their best. I'm thinking of signing her up for a dog show. I think she'd really knock them dead. A reminder to all Uncommon Commons residents. The care and feeding of pets is strictly prohibited on the premises. What about all of Dorian's cats? Please note that all felines found on the property are resident Doreen Wimbledon and should be respected accordingly. Oh! You know, I think deep down I knew all along. How? Well, during one of my long personal conversations with Doreen, I could have sworn I heard just a little bit of Snigglepuss up in there. So, Snigglepuss is, uh... A cat. And Doreen is... All the cats in a single entity. Hmm. Makes perfect sense. But even though she is a miasma of cats, she is still 100% a girl boss. Uncommon Commons is a podcast. It was written and recorded by George Plank and Alex Vitale. Our theme song was composed by Charles Adam Robinson. And our logo designed by Sam Vitale. Our social media manager is Rebecca Tewksbury. Email us directly at zero nullstreet at gmail.com. Visit our socials or support us on Patreon at the link tree in the description below. Rate and review us wherever you get podcasts. Stay, and remember, nothing is real. Hi, it's George. 
Just wanted to let you guys know that Uncommon Commons has a Patreon. For $1 a month, it gets you access to all of our bonus content, including the common area. Hi there, I'm George. And I don't want to be here. I'm actively dying. How are you doing, George? I'm passively dying, thank you. For $100 a month, you will be rocketed into the void itself. What mere disassociation could not do, we will do for you. What is the scariest horror film? you've ever seen. Garfield the movie. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) If I dropped you in Victorian England, you would be the definition of a madman and you'd be in bedlam in five seconds flat. I would be Sherlock Holmes and I would be solving mysteries. (laughs) Plus exclusive stories not available anywhere else, like Help Wanted. Thomas laid on his bed for what may have been hours. He had fallen asleep after letting himself get carried away by the pizza. The pizza box was torn and thrown across the room after every ounce of meat and cheese and grease had been leached from it. The television was on. On it, a puppet was telling a group of kids about the number six. Suddenly, the oven caught on fire. A small pizza inside had gone unattended for too long. Thomas released the crank and made for the emergency exit. Before he could lay his hands on the handle, the flames from the oven encircled him. So, click the link in the description and join us today. Stay. And remember, nothing is real.